good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I would like to welcome everyone to yet another episode of the show, number 84, episode number 88, sorry. Uh, as we approach closer and closer to 100, which I should get to, I should get to by probably October or November, I think, depending on how many podcasts I produce. I think now with Euro qualifiers coming on, I think I'm going to uh, do an update after each each kind of qualifying window, as I'd like to say. But today I kind of wanted to look at three teams that are headed, I think one is headed in a different direction than the other two, in my opinion. Uh, so I wanted to preview uh, three teams that I think could either stand out or could falter uh, during these Euro qualifiers. So the Euros, the Euro qualifiers start tomorrow. So that's Thursday, 23rd of March. Uh, I wanted to start off with a team that maybe a lot of people don't know how good they can be. Uh, that's Georgia. So Georgia is actually in group A with Spain, Scotland, Norway, and Cyprus. This is, I think, the most exciting or the either the most exciting or the second exciting group in this entire qualifying phase. So Group A for me is very exciting because I think it's a lot of teams that are evenly matched apart from maybe Spain. And even you can argue Spain is is approaching this uh, new kind of generation that they're taking on players where the old generation is kind of being phased out now. So I think that's one of the groups that's, I think, very exciting again because there's a lot of evenly matched teams. I think Group H with Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, Kazakhstan, Northern Ireland and San Marino is also um, very even apart from San Marino, no disrespect to them, but I think it's an evenly matched group. And I think even if you look at group E, um, Poland, Czech Republic, Albania, Faroe Islands, and Moldova. So I think those are the, the three groups that are kind of, that I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. And then the, obviously the group where Serbia is in, but those are the three groups that I'm going to keep an eye on. Cause I think those are going to be very hard to kind of predict going forward and who finishes where in some teams, even if it finished third or fourth, they're still going to have a chance at the playoff because of what they did in the Nations League. So that's another thing to kind of uh, watch for in this qualifying phase. Um, so obviously the, the first player for Georgia is um, Quaraskelia, who plays in Napoli, who's taken the world by storm. I probably mispronounced his last name. Uh, main man for Georgia now. He's still only uh, 22 years of age. So he transferred... Um, for 11 million euros. So he came to Napoli for 11. It says 11 to 13, I think, million euros that he came to. I don't think they even know the exact figure, but uh, from Dinamo Batumi, I believe that's where he came from. And he's just taken Serie A by storm. Uh, 30 matches this season, 14 goals, 16 assists. Him and Osameni have built up this lead for Napoli, 18 points clear of second place Lazio. And he's already already has some of the biggest clubs around the world looking um, looking at him as, as their next big purchase, so to say. And he's going to go upwards of, of 100 million euros. I mean, if, if Mihal Mudrik from from a, from a Ukrainian league that's not very strong can go for 100 million, I think um, Kwaraskelia can go for upwards of 120 million euros, I think easily. And Napoli have already said that they don't plan on either selling him or Osemeni, but I think once they see those uh, figures in euros uh, come to their 
email or however they get the transfers, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to to say no. I, I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to turn uh, turn down all that money. Exceptional playmaker. He can score goals. He does so many different things on the pitch. He scored the, He scored a really nice goal. I think it was last week. I can't remember who it was against. But a really nice goal where there was something like five or six players in his vicinity when he scored. So it was just outstanding. Napoli has been so fun to watch this season, and they've been so good. They've been the most easily the most consistent team in the Serie A. AC Milan and, and Inter Milan and, and Juventus have had their kind of moments this season, but it, it's been also a lot of matches where they go four or five matches with, you know, three draws a win and then a loss. So they've been very up and down. We all know with Juventus, the, the points deduction and, and all the stuff around them, the cloud around them has been a negative for the club. So I think that Napoli has, has fully taken this opportunity and building up that enormous lead looks, I mean, it's going to take a catastrophic fall for them to not win um, the Serie A. So they've done an excellent job of, of just completely taking advantage of every other team in their league struggling and showing inconsistency and they've easily been the most consistent team uh, in their in the Serie A. Um, Giorgio Mamardashvili. So he's the goalkeeper for Valencia. Valencia is an interesting position because they're in a fight to stay up in La Liga. He's still one of the better goalkeepers in La Liga. He was one of the best goalkeepers last season. I think it was like a top three, four goalkeeper um, in the league last season. So, you know, that they've kind of... I don't ever remember off the top of my head Valencia being in like a relegation fight, you know, to kind of stay up in, in, in La Liga. And I've been following football for a long time. Off the top of my head, I, I literally can't remember a time when they were fighting for this. And maybe there was that I just don't remember. It could have even been four or five years ago, but I just don't. It's it's just one of those clubs that you always expect to see in the Premier or in the in La Liga. So them along with teams like Sevilla, Athletic Bilbao, and some of these other teams you always expect is obviously with Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Don't even need to name those three, but you always expect them to be in in the in La Liga, obviously, and and not being in any uh, relegation fight. But here they are; they're fighting for the lives. Um, he's had a. I would say Mamardashvili's had a bit of a down year, but I think a lot of that comes to how bad the team has been as well. I don't know if you can pin a lot of that on him, and he's still very young, 22 years of age, and he only has six caps so far for um, for Georgia. So I think that for them, this could be a breakout uh, campaign for them. I, I fully expect them to uh, fight for... Uh, Euro 2024, so they're, they are guaranteed of at least a playoff. So based on what they did in the Nations League. So Spain, Scotland, and Georgia are, are they're in a fight to at least make the, the uh, playoff. And the third player that I wanted to uh, talk about is uh, Irakli Azarov. So I get to watch him pretty much every week play for Red Star Belgrade. He's getting more and more playing time over uh, Milan Rodic, who has picked up some injuries as well. So Azarov has stepped into that starting lineup. Um, he has the ability to take on defenders, even though he is one himself. So when he gets to the final third, he's very crafty with what he can do. So he has the ability to take on defenders. He has the ability to whip in the ball and, and assist. He has a he has a decent shot for you know for a defender for a left back. 
So I'm just kind of looking for him to grow and mature even more as a player. Like I said, he's he's Milan Rodic has been at the club for six, seven years now. So it's it was very difficult for Azarov to kind of step into this club and to get playing time as soon as he came. I think he came last, I want to say last year. I think last January. So it's been kind of very difficult to take Milan Rodic out of the starting lineup. A guy who's been there for six, seven years, who's won the title, I guess, five or six in a row now. So, you know, it's difficult for a young player who's, I think Azarov is only 21, 22, to, to kind of step in and, and to dethrone someone. He's 21. I just turned 21. So it's very difficult for him to kind of step in and dethrone someone who's been in the club for so long, who's been uh, productive for, for a long period of time. And then you have this, I guess he was 20 when he showed up a Red Star, 20-year-old to kind of step in and, and to take that starting spot away from him, which I think is very difficult. I think it's a diff- difficult ask. But he never gave up, believed in himself. I, I really do believe he's a good player. And Rodic is, is starting to get to that, I think he's 31, 32 years of age. So he's starting to get into that, um, you know, the tail end of his career. So Azado has really stepped up. And, and in the matches that he's played, I've been, I've been, I can't say I've been surprised because I I always thought that I expected to see this type of play from him. Um yeah, but he can whip in a ball like he's very strong for his size. So he can he's not very easily bodied off the ball. Um which is a plus for for a right back, left back or defender, whatever you want to whatever you want to call them. So uh, I think he's taken all the necessary steps to finally step in and to be an everyday starter. I feel like every time and this has been far and few between, but Red Star drew in the weekend, and, and I feel like everyone came after him for not having a good match, which I honestly, I didn't think that was the case anyways. Um, I thought he was pretty good, but um, yeah. And just to kind of finish off this Georgia story, I think they're in a fairly open group, like I said, Spain, Scotland, Norway, and, and Cyprus. And as I mentioned already before, Spain, Scotland, Georgia are guaranteed of at least a playoff due to the Nations League success. So I haven't looked at the Nations League from the 2000. 21 22 I guess season it was but they probably all end up winning their groups and therefore they are guaranteed of at least a playoff uh also interestingly enough Georgia called up a 17 year old um Gabriel uh Sigu I hope I'm pronouncing that right 17 years old uh and they're starting to really get players playing in some big leagues I think they only have Three, I want to say they have three players playing in the top five leagues, but they also have players playing in uh, Polish leagues, Russian, Ukrainian. Um, I think they have a f- couple who play in Portugal as well, Germany. So they're really starting to kind of build themselves up, and and we haven't seen. I don't I don't know if Georgia's been relevant since Kaka Kaladze for all the football fans who have been following for a long time Kaka Kaladze played for AC Milan he was a really good defender actually a center back who was I guess he was outshined by other players because he played in such an era where there were so many great center backs that you kind of forgot about him but he's also very good so um yeah I think that um they're gonna have a good good campaign I really do believe that like I said one really good player and then the rest to kind of follow along it, it's I think going to be great for them in their first matches so they have the 25th they they don't play on the 25th so they have a bye that week and then they their first match is a big one big one against Norway in Georgia so that's going to be a very interesting match for them like I said they should be right in the thick of things it's a fairly open group like I said Spain is still 
I think, the class of this group. And I think Norway's really, really good with Odegaard and Holland there. Holland isn't going to play their first two matches, um, which are against... Uh, let me quickly check. I think it's... One is against Spain. So Spain and Georgia, like I said. So big blow for them. Uh, but two great players for Norway. Uh, the second team I want to look at is Italy. Um, so Italy has missed out on the last two World Cups, which is hard to believe, very hard to believe. And Serbia has made the last two World Cups. So, I mean, if Serbia is going to make the next World Cup, hopefully Italy misses the next one as well. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but furthermore, when we take a look at what they've done in the past, and if we kind of roll back the film a little bit more, they finished 22nd in 2014 World Cup and 26th in 2010. And in those two tournaments, they scored six goals in six matches. So after missing this World Cup, you wonder what the response will be, right? I had a chance to watch that playoff match that they had against North Macedonia. I think I only watched the second half. And they had, I'm not even exaggerating when I say four or five chances that they had to bury. And I'm talking about chances from three, four yards out where guys just couldn't capitalize. North Macedonia has one chance, and I believe it was an extra time or in injury time, and they score and they win. And it's a, I love Donnarumma. He's one of my favorite players, not just goalies, favorite players of this current era of the last 10 years, but he, it was a shot that he had to save. So, um, what will the response be from the from the team going forward uh, into a new qualifying eh, segment, whatever you want to call it, session? Uh, again, they're the guaranteed of at least a playoff because of how well they did in, in the Nations League. Uh, their first two matches are England and Malta. That England one is going to be huge. And that's coming up very soon. Let me just check the time here. So it is on the 23rd. So they play tomorrow in Italy. In Naples. That's going to be a big match. I think England takes that rather easily. I think England won win by two goals. That's my prediction for, for this, uh, this match. And then uh, obviously Italy, I think, will blow out Malta. Um, and I think they're kind of... They're in this new generation. I, I talked just briefly talked about Spain having a new one. I think they are as well. So, um, Giorgio Scalvini, the center back from Atalanta. Uh, Alessandro uh, Bongiorno, center back from Torino. Then they have, let me flip the page here. Um, Davide Fratesi, center, uh, central midfielder from Sassuolo. Simone Pafundi, uh, I was going to say power forward. Forward for Udinese. He's 17 years old. So, he was on a list I think that um, for friendlies that Italy had prior to the World Cup. So he's 17 years old, plays for Udinese. So he's another one to kind of keep an eye on. And the last guy is Matteo Retuji. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. Forward for Tigre. So he actually plays in Argentina. So there's been a little bit of a link with Argentina and Italy in the past. They've had a a bunch of players from kind of idiot with Argentinian uh, roots so to say, that they've had play for their national team. So this guy is kind of um, an extension of that as well. But like I said, it, it's really a different... It's really a different um, generation, so to say. Uh, Bastonia wasn't on the list. He's. I thought that he was maybe injured. He's not. So he's not on the list. Um, Gianluca Mancini, who's the center back for Roma, he's not on the list either. Then you have guys like 
Alessandro uh, Florenzi, who didn't make it. Um, quickly kind of going through this list here. Uh, Federico Chiesa, he's coming off an injury. But from what I see, he's injured again. Um, Raspadori is not on the list. Uh, Nicolo uh, Zanoli is not on the list. Gabbiadini is 31. He's a little bit older, but he's not on the list. So there's a lot of players. Chiro Mobile is injured. Obviously, he's not on the list. Uh, Belotti's not on the list. So there's a lot of, you know, Insigne and, and Bernadeschi are at Toronto FC. So they're not on the list either. Moises Keane is injured. So there's a, there's a lot happening right now with with this Italian team. And I'm curious to see how this all works out. And we know about Giorgio Chiellini retiring. So he's obviously not on the list either. But very interesting because they're kind of headed into... They're, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's it's a... It is kind of a new generation, but it's a new generation mixed in with whatever they have that's kind of uh, old as well, so to say. I just don't... There's not enough creativity in this team for me to kind of get excited. And I don't know, has that always been the case with Italy? And if it has, they've won a lot of silverware before. So, like, why are we worried about that now? But it's just... there's a, In that midfield, there's a lot of uh, hard workers like Verratti, Barella, uh, Barella. These guys are all hard workers. Sandro Tonelli is going to be a name that the casual fan is going to be very familiar with very soon. Plays for Milan, really good young player, 22 years of age. Um, Crisante is already 28, so he's another guy. Like, Jorginho, in terms of midfield, there's nothing to really, like, the creativity's not there. But, and, I, and like I said just before this, has that always been the case with Italy? Because I feel like it has, and that's why they don't score a lot of goals. That's why they win a lot of matches 1-0, right? That's why they draw a lot of matches 0-0 or 1-1. Because they don't score a lot. And you just kind of look at the players who they have up top. Like, there's not a lot of guys who can score, right? Like, Skamaka has nine appearances with no goals. Um, Domenico Berardi has 26 appearances, six goals. Uh, Vincenzo Grifo has eight appearances, four goals. Okay. Uh, Matteo Politano, eight appearances, three goals, right? So there's not a lot of goals here. And you kind of question, you know, the, the direction. But again, that's kind of always been been the case and if you take a look at some of the great Italian strikers they've had a lot in the, in the past like a lot of them didn't even get to 70 80 appearances a lot of them had 50 appearances with 10 15 goals which is not a lot so that's kind of been in their DNA forever and like I said they win matches 1-0 they draw 1-1-0-0 whatever the case may be so um and that, that was a question that I had. Will they score enough goals? Could Machini get sacked before qualifiers end? I think that's a real possibility if they get off to a bad start. I really do think that's a possibility. You've missed the last two World Cups. Granted, you did win the Euros, which kind of maybe gives Mancini a, a longer leash, so to say. But it's Italy. They want to win. This, this, is a, this is a powerhouse. They've been a powerhouse forever. So I don't know how much more of this they're going to take. And I think if they do get off to a bad start where they do maybe draw a lot. I mean, the, the match against... Uh, the match against uh, Georgia, they have to win. But remember, they still have Ukraine in this in this league, in this um, in this group. They still have North Macedonia, a team that they just lost to. All huge, huge, huge matches. The only gimme here is is Malta, right? England, North Macedonia, Ukraine, very very tough group. So I'm looking to see how they're going to respond, um, coming off uh, coming off not making a World Cup yet again, and. Like I said, our last memory is, is of them getting knocked out by North Macedonia. So how did they respond? That team is in their group again. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they respond. Can they do it? They're guaranteed of at least a playoff. I'm not so sure that I trust them in a playoff. And depending on who they get, I'm, I'm just... I would rather see who they get in that playoff before I say yes. If you ask me this 
six to eight years ago, if there, I think there was playoffs even six to eight years ago, I would tell you, yes, I I feel totally confident in them. I don't even need to know their opponent. Now I'm not so sure, right? North Macedonia, no disrespect, isn't exactly a powerhouse in football, but they ended up losing to them. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, they're guaranteed of a, a, a playoff. And the third team that I wanted to look at was Denmark. So they finished 11th. So they bowed out in the round of 16 at the World Cup in 2018. They achieved third place at Euro 2020 or 21 because that's when it took place. And then we thought that they would be a tough out in Qatar and they couldn't even make it out of the group. And it wasn't exactly the hardest group. Off the top of my head, it was France, uh, France, Australia, and was it Algeria? Algeria, something like that. Can't remember off the top of my head right now, but so kind of disappointing. So having no Christian Eriksen is a huge blow for them. He still pulls all the strings for them in midfield, 120 caps, 39 goals. There's a lot of stuff that you can do on the pitch that's just absolutely magical. And he's getting to that age where he could retire soon as well, right? 31 years of age. We know about the health health problem that he had at the, at the last um, at the last Euros. So that that's an you kind of always keep that in the back of your mind. But a great international career. 120 caps, <laughs> not a lot of guys get to that 100, not a lot of guys even get to the 50 mark, let alone 120, but he's been, I think he's been very good for them. Um, one thing I'll say, at least in that midfield, they have three Brentford players, which means that they're very familiar with what they're already do. So uh, Matthias Jensen, Mikkel Damsgaard, and Christian uh, Norgard. So they all play together at the club level. Uh, Philip Billing has been also very good for for um, Bournemouth. Um, Hojbjerg as well for Tottenham. Very good player. So at least those players in the midfield are, are very, very familiar with each other. And I think if they can if they can just defend well, they they should get out of this group. Uh, they've had some big injuries to the lineup. Uh, Andreas Kovolsen, Kasper Dolberg. Uh, Jesper Lindstrom and Victor Christensen are all out due to injuries, and I, as I look through a lot of these, a lot of these teams, a lot of teams have a lot of national teams have key players who are out. So, and then you add Eric Christensen obviously to that list, uh, but I think that they're kind of fortunate to be in a group with no real, no real world class striker. Like you have Timo Puke with Finland who has around 40 goals for, for the national team. You have Benjamin um, Sesko who plays for uh, Sesko, I should say, who plays for Slovenia. He's still only 19, but he's one of the best young players in, in the world, at least at his position. So, you know, you kind of worry about him. But Kazakhstan, San Marino, and, and Northern Ireland, you don't really have anyone. No disrespect to those teams. Northern Ireland grinds out wins. So that's going to be a grinded out game for, for Denmark 100%. And... Yeah, I just think if if they can get some consistent scoring, I think they can be pretty good. And in heading into the World Cup, that's that's one thing that I thought as well. Just looking at some of the, they just don't have a lot of goal scoring, right? Like Martin Brathwaite, ten goals in sixty four matches for the national team. Uh, Jonas Wind, five and fifteen. Uh, Muhammad uh, Darami, zero and four appearances. Andreas uh, Dreyer, no goals in two appearances. Rasmus uh, Hoyland zero goals in two appearances and Marcus Ingvartsen has one in one. So 
Erasmus um, Hoyland, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, plays for Atalanta, 20 years old. He's been scoring for them lately. He's also another player who's young, kind of up and coming. Seven goals in 23 matches for Atalanta. So that's another player uh, that you kind of want to watch a little bit. He, he went to Atalanta from Sturmgrass last season, 2022. So I think he's their kind of next uh, young up-and-coming player who's been really getting some minutes at at, at, at Atalanta and he's been using it um, uh, to the best of his abilities. So hopefully for them, that's that's one of the players that they can kind of lean on for, for years to come who can score goals for them. But yeah, I, I think maybe I'm just down on them because of what I saw at the World Cup from them. But I mean, they still have... Right, Casper Schmeichel in, in goal, who has his next appearance is going to be 90. Um, Simon Kerr, who has 20, 122 appearances for the national team. And then you also have a lot of guys with experience, right? Like Andre Christensen, Andreas Christensen, Barcelona player um, with a bunch of caps as well. Uh, Joachim Maile from, from Atalanta. So there's, there's Joachim Anderson from Crystal Palace. So there's a lot of guys who can, in terms of veteran leadership, there's more than enough on this team. You just question how much can they score. And like I said, what kind of works for them is that they're in a group that's there's not too much goal scoring. So if they can defend, I mean, efficiently, they should be going on. And it's interesting to know in this group, no one, only one team is guaranteed of at least a playoff, and that's Kazakhstan. So Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, Northern Ireland, San Marino are all going to have to kind of fight it out. And it's going to be a fight. I think this is going to come down. There's literally, Denmark will get one of the two top spots. And then the second spot will literally come down to Finland, Slovenia, and Northern Ireland. And that's going to be very tough to kind of see who goes on from there. I wouldn't sleep on Northern Ireland. Like I said, they don't score a lot either, but they can grind out games just like Ireland does, just like Wales can do, just like Scotland does. So I think it's a very even group. And like I said, that's one of the groups that I have that I'm going to keep an eye on. I love groups where there's no real powerhouse. It's just those groups are so fascinating because anyone can win it. So that's one of the groups. As I mentioned before, I think Poland, Czech Republic, Albania, Faroe Islands, and Moldova is also very interesting. And then the, the first group as well. Um, like I mentioned, Spain, uh, Scotland, Norway, Georgia, and Cyprus. I really like that group A because there's going to be a lot of jostling going on. Norway has to finish top two to go through because they don't have, they can't lean on the playoff for from from the Nations League. So they're going to have to finish in, in one of the um, two spots. So I'm very excited. Tomorrow is, is the start of Euro qualifiers. Always interested in, in need, whether it's Euro qualifiers or World Cup qualifiers. I'm going to try to do maybe a little bit of up, update after these two match days are, are are kind of through. Let's talk about some of the results, some of the surprise results going forward. So, um, yeah, that's the episode for today. Um, thank you guys for listening. Remember, you could catch this podcast on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to your podcast too. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch up again uh, down the road sometime. Take care. Thank you.